0: Welcome back to Grand Spirits Podcast, a place where you can learn to connect with nature, new perspectives, and most importantly, yourself. I'm Laura Lynn, and today we're going to dive into another new perspective. And this perspective is of none other than Christian de la Huerta. And we're going to be talking about his book and really getting into the relationship between the ego and the soul and how we show up in the world and all of that, so I'm super excited to share this conversation. And I do want to apologize that I've been a bit of a hiatus, trying to like get everything, um, like my publishing company off the ground, and I've been like really focusing on like the journal aspects of my life and like getting those books out. They're all on Amazon, by the way. If you wanna go check them out, um, and then I feel like I kind of like let the podcasts slack a little and so I now I'm, I'm back and um, we're going to work hard to make sure that those two parts of myself, um, like my two companies, so like obviously this Ground of Spirits and then with Bella Spree Productions and keep the like work on them equally because for the longest I was just working on Ground of Spirits and then I started just working solely on Bella Spree, and I have to figure out like the secret solution of working on them both and I feel like I'm getting there. So... Um, without further ado, uh, here, I'm going to introduce Christian de la Huerta. So he is a sought-after spiritual teacher, personal de- um, transformational coach, and a leading voice in the breathwork community. He has traveled the world offering inspiring and transformational retreats combining psychological and spiritual teachings with lasting and life-changing effects. An award-winning, critically acclaimed author, he has spoken at numerous universities and conferences and on the TEDx stage. His new book, Awakening the Soul of Power, was described by, by multiple Grammy Award winner Gloria Stefan as a balm for the soul of anyone searching for truth and answers to life's difficult questions, and has received a Nautilus Book Award and a Nonfiction Book Award. To find out more about his work and receive a free guided meditation, power practices, and a chapter from the book, visit soulfulpower.com. Now presenting to you, Christian Della Hi, right. Welcome, Christian.
1: Hi, Laura, Thanks. thanks so much for having me on the show.
0: Thank you so much for being here. So I would first like to get into your own journey. So how did you get to, to this place where you are today?
1: Wow, what a question.
0: <laughs> I know, a well, loaded on the first one.
1: <laughs> it, all, all in two minutes, right? Um, well, you know, I was born in Cuba, um, which was a really interesting experience because I lived in a, in a communist regime for the first 10 years of my life. Um, for which I'm actually really grateful because we had a TV but there was nothing worth watching so we, we grew up reading books and creating our pastimes inventing our games and and that was priceless you know, when I look at kids these days my nieces and nephews with their nose to the to the screens and their phones it's like yikes that's it's concerning you know how much kids are, are losing out on the missing out on just the 3d reality experience. Um, you know, one of the things that happened too, because my parents were involved in, in counter-revolutionary activities, is like I grew up kind of shy because there was this, this message, implicit message not to show up too much. Um so I was kind of shy and introverted. And when we came to the States, not speaking a word of English, it's like that that was only magnified and, and strengthened. Um to the point that, you know, I was a K one-on-one, but if you added a third human, I kind of clammed up um, to the degree that, you know, I was a good student and I was probably had a 4.0 in high school, except for one B. And I didn't do this intentionally back then, but looking back on it, I know that subconsciously um, I sabotaged my GP. Hey, back then, there is no way. There's just a way that I could have gotten up in front front of a room of hundreds and hundreds of people and delivered the valedictorian speech. There's no way that I could have done that. But the good news is flash forward. um, And I've I've spoken all over the world. I've spoken at conferences, universities, the TEDx stage. And and the reason I share that is is that I know that no matter what happened to us when we were kids um, and whatever we had to overcome and deal with, all that stuff can be healed and it can be overcome
0: yeah and but how do you get to that point where you know that you can overcome it you know so um you talk about it in your book that we have we can all be superheroes but how do we know like how do we tell people that they are that they have the ability to become superheroes
1: well you know i'm trying to do my best with you know writing this book and and doing podcasts like this trying to get the message yeah. out there and because it, you know, it's like that's part of the problem, is like we think when we when we think of the word heroes or heroism, we tend to think of superheroes. And and of course we we're not superheroes, so we don't we we don't relate to that, so we reject that idea. because um, I know a lot of people struggle with that idea of having a hero within inside of us. Um and so, you know, or maybe we thought, you know, when we think of heroes, we think of, of a warrior or Um, you know, uh, somebody like a first responder, somebody who actually puts their life at risk for the sake of somebody else. And most of us haven't done that, aren't aren't that. So it's really it's really easy to reject that. But part of the message of this book and the series of books is that, that there is a hero inside each one of us, and that there's a way of living that is nothing short of heroic. So for example, going, going through life, you know, feeling buffeted by life, what, what happened to us in the past, um, what, how it's, you know, the stuff that we can't do anything about. Like the one thing we know going forward is that life is gonna continue throwing curveballs our ways like, like a global pandemic, loss of a job, unforeseen death of a loved one, an accident, There's so many things that happen that we just can't see coming um so it's really easy to kind of feel hopeless or weak weekend or, or victimized by life but the thing is like no matter what happened to us in the past no matter what happens going forward we can always always choose how we're going to show up in response and even that that small reframe that slight reframe Pops us out of that place of, of of a fearful victim relationship with life, like me against the world, us against the world. And, and it brings us back into our own sense of personal empowerment. So, so that is one way, you know, to, to be able to do that, to, to tear up that victim card. Poor me, woe is me. If only, if, if only you know, this hadn't happened, if mom hadn't had, had been there, if father hadn't done that, or the teacher, the minister, society. Uh, sexism, racism, homophobia, if, if it only wasn't for that, then I would be happy, then I would be successful. And it's not to deny that those things didn't happen. It's not to to like spiritually bypass and ignore the stuff that happened to us that, that's not pleasant and not fun. Um, and it's not to deny that, those, that the system isn't set up unfairly because it is. But it's saying that if we wanna be free, as long as we're holding somebody or something Something that happened the way the the way the system is up responsible for our happiness, for our state of being, we just give our power away and and to be able to say that um it's nothing short of heroic that's that's not easy,
0: yeah, definitely, and so has so much to say about that but um well, the first thing was about the superheroes, and so it just um I had a, a different interview, um, and he was talking about that uh, superheroes they are um, like that a lot of times, like on the TV and stuff that superheroes are always like beating up somebody, so it 's like a physical power like a physical um, power, and you talk about that in your book too that um, that you have like the like the the ego power is the one that's like trying to like I have to be better than somebody else and I feel like that's what we see like our example of superhero. so I love that you take it especially in your book when you talk about like the the ego and he's all like boarded up and then he turns into this like um this monk who's so relaxed and like that's where the power is and so um so talking about that we have we have to like re, we have to reframe how we view power and not just like with um not just with our own selves, but like with superheroes too, that we can use our power for good and our power to like, hey, you said, like if you have um, the power, it's like, a, it's like horizontal power that you can, if you're empowering somebody else and that gives you more power too. So it's like, you're not by getting power, you're not taking it some, from someone else. So I just thought that was uh, incredible. And so I'd love well, to get more, yeah, more into, into the ego and the soul and stuff.
1: Well, let let me, pause on the EU because that's another huge conversation (laughs) in the same way we can go back to that in the same way that we struggle with a word like heroism and and owning the hero inside of us we also struggle with the word power Um, and I think most of us have an ambivalent maybe even conflicted relationship to power you know part of us wants it part of us is afraid of it and I think what's at the core of that fear is that if we really stepped into all our power, if we really like fulfilled our potential, be all of who we are, that other people wouldn't be able to handle it and that we might end up rejected and alone. Um, I think we also fear that we might abuse it. And no wonder, Like all we gotta do is turn on the news any given day to witness at least one abuse of power. And how many abuses of power have we witnessed in our lifetimes, combined with the fact that we've been conditioned to believe that power is a bad thing. Power is a negative thing with quotes like power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And what good hearted person wants to be corrupted. And so what happens when you put that into the mix and you add that we've also been conditioned to to fear the emotions, we hate conflict, we avoid confrontation. What happens is that we end up giving away our power, our innate inherent power that no one can give to us, no one can take away. We are the only ones who can give it away and the sad part is the tragic part really is that we gave it away for lame reasons like we say yes when inside we really feel no we we override our our beliefs our preferences our desires our dreams to for for an illusion of security for a false sense of acceptance and and we settle for crumbs for morsels of pseudo-love so, so it's not an effective strategy. And so, what the the theme of this book is is to like you were talking about is to let us know that there is a way that we can step into power. That's not about a hierarchy, about control, about fear, about domination. That it's not about pushing anybody down, stepping on them, um, you know, putting our knee to their neck in order for us to feel powerful. So, how do we do that in a different way? And like you were like you were. Um, highlighting you know highlighting so how do we do it in a different way that's not power over but power with
0: yeah that's a great way of putting it power with um yeah because everything well you're talking about it right now but even when i was reading your book i felt like you were talking directly to me because i feel like i'm right now like on the cusp of like of get stepping into my power and so it is super scary and like you were saying earlier that I do consider myself a good hearted person so it's like you always hear like money is the root of all evil and so if you're going to get all this money then you're going to like turn evil obviously like I like logically I know that's not true but I feel like there's like this block that I'm like experiencing right now and so yeah just like by reading your book it's like really helped me to open up and to say that it it's it's not it's not scary because i have to trust myself and i have to trust my body and trust like the relationship between my ego and my soul and to not allow like that that corruption and so it's been like really interesting to um, to get into like the relationship of the ego and the soul and how they how they interact, because kind of like you talked about in the book with like the scary, like, um, scary ego. Um, and so you, a lot of times, like in my own journey, I wanted to just like push my ego aside and say like, okay, like everything about the ego is bad. And so I love that you highlight, um, like, the, like, we need an ego, and it's a good thing to have an ego. And could you speak more about that? Like how, how did you even yeah. come up with that idea?
1: of course because that's another word that we have a lot of confusion about ego you know those of us who know the word will think arrogance or you know inflated sense of self and it is that for sure but it's a whole lot more than that and then maybe if we took psych 101 in college we might think oh freud's model of personality the id the ego the superego and that's not what what the way that i write, write about and teach about the ego so I mean, this is a huge conversation. I, I spent probably the first what quarter of the book talking about it. Um, it's the first thing that I teach in my retreats and my workshops because it's really critically important that we understand what the ego is. Um, because if we want relationships that have a chance at working, if we want to have a sense of personal empowerment, if we want to have a life that is filled with meaning and purpose, that's important, right? We, there's no way around that. We got to understand. And, and here's a simple... Um, visual to help us understand what the ego is if, if you put a base, baseball in the center of a stadium that's what the ego is who we are is actually the stadium and we've allowed this tiny 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 part of who we are to think it is all who we are and to make really important choices consequential choices about our lives about our relationships from its very small limited and always fear-based perspective so, so that's why it's so important to understand what the ego is and 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 how it keeps us in a self-made prison of fear and lack and limitation and reactivity and victimization and judgment. And you know, that ego is that that harsh inner judge inside of our heads. And, and we all know, because we we've all been there. Like the things we tell ourselves about ourselves, we would never say to anybody else. It's, it's such a harsh critical. That's the voice of self-doubt, the voice of fear, the voice of of defensiveness. That's all the ego. And and if we think about it, ego in Latin, that word means I. So ego is the sense of self, the safe of individual personality. This is Christian over here. That's Laura over there. It's both a really helpful and, and nothing short than a leap in consciousness in terms of human of evolution. Because as far as we know, we're the only species that has that sense of self. It's, it's that sense of personality. Um, you know, there's some theories about the elephants and the higher primates and the dolphins and the whales, whether they have a sense of who they are. Uh, like for example, we'll put a, you know, we've seen the videos, you know, they'll put a dog or a cat in front of a mirror and, and they interact with the image as if it was another dog or cat. They've done studies where they'll do, you know, put like a gorilla or a chimp in front of a mirror and they'll put ash on their shoulder. At some point, they'll go like this and they'll wipe it off. So it lets us know that that it's different, right? They're, they're more along, you know, further along the road than the cat or a dog, but we don't know whether they have a, a sense of individual self. And so it's huge, and it's also the source of all our suffering. Because once we had that, that sense of self develop in us humans, you're like now we can feel separate, we can feel alone, we can feel rejection, we can have abandonment issues, uh, we can have a sense of our own mortality. So it is the source of all our suffering. Um, so, and, and what you're pointing us to is that there are a lot of teachings that say you got to kill the ego, you got to get rid of it. And and that it, because it is a source of suffering, and that that part is true, but as far as I understand it, you know, it's not all bad to have a sense of self, and and so rather than killing it or getting rid of it, it's like if, what happened with the ego is that it's it's kind of taken over, and it thinks that it, that it is the sun, right? That it is the center of who we are. Where where, where it's just like a tiny tiny little pebble you know hurtling around the Sun which which is who we are which is our stadium self call it the soul call it you know higher self whatever you want to call it so rather than getting rid of it what what we're what we're the goal is rather to heal the ego so that that it we're not longer reacting to stuff that happened to us in the past um, and that we haven't solved and, and, and a lifetime of suppressed emotions and and like we're putting putting it back in in its proper place in Orbit around and in service to the sun, the sun again being the the who we authentically are.
0: Yeah, and so talking about that in your book, you have the example um, when you're traveling with your mom. And when I was reading that, I was getting angry too. Like I would have snapped a long time ago. Um, so <laughs> could you like walk us through like how 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 can we have a non-reactive ego? Is it just through healing or I mean, obviously not just through healing because healing is such a huge process, um, but um, just like your thoughts on, on how to have non, a non-reactive ego.
1: Yeah, you know, it, take, it takes work for sure. That, And that's another reason why that what we're talking about is heroic. Like reacting, anybody can do that, right? Somebody punches, you know, pushes one of our buttons and we react and, and we push one of theirs back or we or splatter them against the wall or really let them have it, you know, whatever. But uh, <laughs> We think that's powerful, but we but we've gotten confused. You know that reacting and getting somebody back and taking revenge and all that kind of stuff, it's actually disempowering. Um, so what what to me is really more heroic is doing the work of feeling the ouch. Wow, somebody did or said something that was hurtful, and rather than just reacting back, which any of us can do, it's not it's not hard. We we've, we've all done it a thousand times. It's like it's like taking a pause. And saying to ourselves, "Ouch, that hurt," and bringing choice back into the equation. Right? Like, how do I want to handle this? How do I want to show up in response to this, in a way that I, that I don't get sucked back into the, that boring merry-go-round of react and regret? You know, they they do this and I do that. They do this and I do that. We've done it a thousand times, and we've gotten stuck in those power struggles, and and they don't they never end well. So by, by pressing pause and putting that choice, it's like, wait a minute, how can I show up this time differently so that I can break this pattern of reactivity? Because every time we react, the adrenaline dissipates. And then what happens then? You know, Like a few minutes later, a couple of hours later, maybe a day later, then that ego starts doing that numbers. Like, oh my God, I can't believe I said that. Oh my God, I can't believe I did that. That was so mean. Because at heart, I think we're actually, we're, we're, we're actually good people. And when we react, that's not coming from the authentic part of us. That's just coming from that little hurt, wounded ego place that, that has to, to prove powerful, that takes everything personally. And so the first step, Laura, as you know, is like becoming aware, right? Becoming aware of our triggers. Why why do certain people get our go or certain behaviors? Um, because, and it's not about excusing anybody's behavior, but let's say that you and I have a mutual friend, Mary shows up inevitably 20 minutes late and lunch with her on mondays you have lunch with her on tuesdays and and there i am on mondays like oh i knew it i knew she was going to be late i should have known better i should have told her 20 minutes earlier so she'd be here on time she's so selfish so self-centered she only worries about her time and her schedule she doesn't worry about mine and then mary finally shows up and because we hate conflict we we know we don't address it directly but then that 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 resentment starts like dripping out dribbling out the side of our mouth with a with a joke or um you know a comment with a little barb on it um and so but but then again that there you are on tuesday and it's like great i have 20 minutes let me return that phone call let me let me glance at at the news let me read my email let me catch up on this or that it's like so many possible responses to mary's lateness why does it get me so much Uh, what does it bug me so much and and it's not about her lateness right that's a whole other conversation how we handle that because if i want to be free i have to get real and and see that it's my button that i have that lateness button so if i were going to do my work for example it might it might do might look something like this well you know it's not just when mary's late it's when anybody's late gets my go and if i zoom out and start observing myself that's why i say it starts with self-awareness and, and getting real about why we do the things we do and why we have certain patterns of behavior. So when I zoom out, I like, well, it's like, it's not just when somebody's late, it's when somebody cuts me off in traffic, when somebody cuts me off in conversation, it, it, it brings up that same kind of feeling, all right? So what is that feeling, right? We gotta get clear about this stuff because a lot of this stuff is happening subconsciously. So what, what am I feeling when any of those things happen, right? Let me think about that. What, what am I feeling? I'm feeling um, unappreciated. I'm feeling unloved, like not taken care of I'm, I'm feeling um, you know maybe maybe rejected, um, and and so if I get honest, those feelings have been inside me way before my my weekly lunches with Mary. but if if I'm willing to do the work, right it's not fun work, it's, it takes energy, it takes it takes effort if, you know to takes taking the time to looking at ourselves and looking at our patterns. so it's heroic work. You know, to, be able to go within and to face our inner demons, our inner, inner dragons and our, our fears, our self-doubts, all that kind of stuff. It is incredibly worthwhile because it's only by doing that that we're able to heal ourselves and free ourselves. Otherwise, what happens is like, I stop having lunch with, with Mary and then what? Then I start having lunch with Fred. Guess what? He's going he's gonna to start showing up late until I do my work and, 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 and free myself. And again, it doesn't excuse the relativeness or anything else. Right? Or it doesn't deny the systems and that, are, that are set up unfairly. It's just saying that if I want to be free, I've got to, to own my role in it and, and do my work so that I can bring that element of choice and freedom back into the equation.
0: Yeah. So I feel like it's kind of like when you, people say like when you hold a grudge, it's not them taking the poison. It's like you taking the poison. It's only hurting yourself because she's going to be late regardless. So it's why are you going to let, why are you going to give away your power? Like we've been talking about Like that. That's so, that's so cool. And so um, something that I recently came up with was that every relationship that we have with other people, is just like a mirror of like our ego and our soul's relationship and so like with this with the lateness it would be like kind of you were saying like getting deeper into it and so that's why it shows up like this in our life that we have a friend that's always late um because it's like you were saying like maybe we feel un um unappreciated or unloved, like how you were talking about and so um it's really interesting like how everything kind of like comes together
1: yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, that's another profound thing. And, and this stuff, by the way, none of this is easy. What you're saying there too is it, it's it takes work, right? We're talking about projection, which which means that it's a psychological defense mechanism that, that projects onto others what's also in here. Um, and so for example, and, and so we attract people into our lives, and this is from Carl Jung, the, the, the psychologist, who, who writes that we attract people into our lives so that we can see um, unhealed areas in ourself. Um, because you know, some we, we all have blind spots, right? And we're never gonna see those blind spots because it's in the back of the head. When I look at that mirror in front of me, it's in the back. If I turn left to look at that other mirror, now it's going the other way. Mm-hmm. So I'm never gonna see it, but boy, can I see it in you. Um, so, 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 so here's an example from my personal life. My first three relationships, I was cheated on, right? So that was a pattern. And and it would have been easy for me to make all sorts of conclusions about people and and inability to trust and and how relationships don't work and you can't trust anybody, which is what we do. Um, Anybody can do that, right? But to look at ourselves and and to do the work of saying, like, you know what? There's only one common denominator in all of these relationships and it's me. Uh, So why do we keep attracting this pattern? Or, or how am I doing that, right? Because it's really easy to, to judge and to say, I would never do that. Um, but it can be really subtle because it can also be in relationship to self that we do these things. So a good question for somebody who's in that pattern, uh, it's like, wait a minute, how am I doing the cheating? And yeah, it's not gonna look like cheating that way with other people. It's probably gonna look as like cheating ourselves. How are we cheating ourselves? So, for example, in that in in my case, I, I was already starting to teach, and I was teaching people about the importance of of living authentically, um, and and living our truth. Um, and it dawned on me that there are, that I was that I that I was doing that, except in relationship to my parents, because I hadn't come out to my parents. And I'd come out to my siblings, my close friends, but I hadn't really felt the need to come out to my parents. But you could say that. I was cheating my relationship with my parents right by withholding an important part of who i am is not all who i am but it's an important part of who i am and and in the past i had lied you know or withheld information about what i did this weekend or who i did it with um and and so i had been cheating my relationship with my parents by withholding information by withholding uh, truth of me so i said well that's not gonna that's not gonna work i have to come out to them and so i did and flash forward, Laura, never again. you I know, probably had another four or five relationships since that time, um, 30 years ago, um, but never again. That cheating was never an issue ever again. Wow. Um, and isn't that amazing how that works?
0: Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that story because, yeah, like I... It's so interesting, like how things show up in, in our lives. And I feel like when we have, like how you're saying, like when you feel like that pinch or when, they, when your button's being pushed, um, it gives you an opportunity. And I feel like it's gonna keep happening until you do something about it. So thank you so yeah. much for, for sharing exactly. that.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and, that's, and that's another thing that's heroic, right? To realize, yeah. like, you know what? There's only one common denominator in, denominator in every one of those relationships and in every one of those arguments I've had in my life. And that's right here. So why is that? Why do I keep creating this type of situation, these type of patterns? And again, it doesn't excuse what anybody did or didn't do. It's, it's just saying, if we want to be free, we got to start owning it, that, that it starts right here yeah. and asking ourselves the hard questions. Why do we do the things we do? Why do we create certain patterns that sometimes have us feeling like it's the same boring play, the same boring movie, just with a different actor, a different co-lead, but it's the same boring crap coming up, the same boring arguments, the same stuff. So at some point, if we want to get off the merry-go-round, we've got to like own that it starts right here.
0: Yeah. And so what's the difference between introspection and like putting up boundaries?
1: Hmm. Well, I think introspection is necessary in order to be able to put boundaries, oh. right? So we gotta we got get, we gotta know about ourselves. We gotta know, we gotta start with self-awareness, right? So who are we? What are we doing here? Like, okay, do I, don't I like what's negotiable in my relationship, what's not? Um, so, so that's the first step. So, and that, the only way to that is going within. Um, otherwise, we, we're never gonna figure out who we are. Um, and ask, you know, ask ourselves the hard questions: Who am I, and what am I doing here, and, and what do I want from life? Um, and so, once we get clear about who we are, then we can put up some. We can we can put up healthy boundaries. Um, like, yeah, you know, I see now this pattern. Like, nope, that's not going to work for me. It's not going to work for me because if I allow that pattern to continue, um. I am now the one who's disrespecting myself by putting up with that. Uh, so he so said, no, that's not gonna work. And, and we learn how to communicate those boundaries in a way that they can be understood and heard, right? Because the ego is also very um, judgmental. And I get you know, around that the ego went to law school um, and, and appoints itself judge, jury and prosecutor and knows exactly what the other person did that was wrong and delivers the punishment. Uh, so it's very self-righteous, and and part of what we're doing on this on this journey and this heroic journey of of freeing ourselves and stepping into our authentic power, not the worldly power, the ego power that we that we started to talk about, is is figuring out you know what works for us and what doesn't work and how to communicate it without pointing the finger, because the ego is really great about you did this, you always do that, um, and when we're pointing the finger that other ego that doesn't yet know it's an ego, all it can do is defend and attack back. And so then that's when we get into that boring merry-go-round of react and regret and, and locking horns until, until one of us blows up. And then we cause harm to our relationships, sometimes irreparably. So, so again, first step, self-awareness. Yeah.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for that. Um, so I wanted to move into um, the actual like, writing of the book because, like, how you said, like, we could talk about the ego forever, but I feel like in your book you put it together and you like the chapters, the way that you laid it out. Um, like, could you talk more about like the the writing process of how to put it together and have it be um, like digestible? Like, it was like in like good good bites and it wasn't just like all of it in someone's face like when when I was reading I didn't feel like I was being overwhelmed by all this information it was very digestible so can you talk about like your writing process
1: thank you so much for that because that that was a huge breakthrough because in the first iteration I it had huge long chapters you know they're more like term, pa- term papers and and then I realized you know the, the reality is that most people don't read these days um, but they might listen to, you know, they might work with an app. And I said, so what, what would be different if I created an app instead of a book? And then I realized that brief, you know, what what I what what I ended up with after going through that thought process. I haven't developed the app yet, but but going through the process of delivering the content piecemeal, like you know, short chapters rather than a big chapter. So delivering it, breaking it down, delivering into in, in bite sizes. And also the, the adding the layer of interactivity, which is what, what an app would do. Right? So that's why every chapter has power practices at the end. And those practices are designed to integrate the teachings, to apply them to our lives so that they don't stay at the level of information. We don't need more information. Laura, you know, there's, we've got information overload. There's no way that we could read or just even the amount of email we get in a day or a week is like overwhelming. What we need is transformation. Um, and that only comes from applying those teachings like to our own lives and that's what those practices are designed to do and and so short chapters interactivity so so, so that I can make the the transformation sustainable and and then how do I lighten it up some right how do I make it because it's not it's intense stuff to look at ourselves and our patterns and why we do the things we do and you know diving in and facing the, the 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 our fears and our inner demons It's like it's it's not for the faint of heart it's heroic so how do i try to lighten it up is by bringing in a lot of um references from culture from movies about superheroes um and other heroes from from literature um and so try to make it as lighten it up as much as possible uh, by doing that
0: yeah and i thought that was great um you referenced um lord of the rings and star wars a lot and so my question to you is do you think that those creators meant it like the way that you saw it or like how do you think like because when you were saying like wow how did i never notice that like with the power the power plays between the different characters and so i wonder if that was just from your lens of your of how you saw it, and now we can all see it that way, or if it was created, it was intended to be created in that way. Yeah,
1: you know, that's a really good question, and, that, and of course, I can't answer for them. Yeah. Um, but I have, but I have read, you know, from about George Lucas, that he intentionally used the framework of the hero's journey that uh, Joseph Campbell tells us about. I mean, the hero's journey has been around human history forever. So it's, you know, yeah. Since it's the ancient Greek days and mythology and all that. Um, And it's all throughout history, all throughout our literature. Um, And so I know that Lucas intentionally used that framework of the hero's journey, um, which I also tried to weave into this book, how to apply the hero's journey to ourselves, to our own process of of life, of going through life. Um, So I think once I added that filter of the hero's journey, then I started to seeing, uh, to see different patterns and, and stuff that, you know, I don't know if it was intentionally, um, put into that way, but but who knows? And, and 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 like you were talking about before, it's really important that we get clear about the different kinds of power, because that's the other thing that we get conflicted about and confused about. And and so, you know, to realize that there's like there's worldly power or ego power, and like you were, like you were starting to point out, um, we tend to associate power with with things that are outside of us. So money, like you said, fame, Uh, we tend to think of powerful people as people who are high up in some kind of hierarchy, whether it's the corporate ladder or some institution, some religious institution or whatever. But the thing about all those kinds of power, because they're external, because they're outside of us, they can be fickle. Here today, gone tomorrow. Uh, Whereas the other kind of power, which I call soulful power, spiritual power, that's inside each and every one of us, so we all have access to that. It's it's nobody can give it to us. Nobody can take it away. Like we were saying before, we are the only ones who can give it away. And whereas worldly power or ego power, it's, it's, it always has an agenda. It's always trying to grab something for itself, um, and it's self-aggrandizing. So blowing itself up to bl- blowing itself up to seem bigger than it is. Soulful power is humble. Um, it doesn't need to prove anything to anybody. And it's all about service, about making a difference. So think about you know, a Gandhi or a Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings. In their simple monastic robes, their sandal feet, we would never know how much power they hold from looking at them, until power is called for, until it's necessary, and then get out of the way. Like Gandhi brought the British Empire to its knees when it was at its highest point. In terms of global reach, without ever shooting a gun, Or landing at a single punch. That's power.
0: Yeah, definitely. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to have to like process that for a bit. But yeah, because when I was reading your book, it was, I kept thinking about that with like the power and how, um, how, difficult it is to like not be reactive and to like hold your own power and it kind of brought me to like this song uh, like this little light of mine like I'm gonna let it shine um because sometimes it's really hard to to shine bright because like you were saying earlier you're afraid that of being corrupted or afraid of being alone or all these different things and so I feel like like understanding that that is all part of the ego and you can just have your light here and you're still going to shine in the darkness, regardless of anything that's going out there is just so powerful. So thank you so much for, for bringing that up and.
1: Um, powerful and heroic. Yeah. Right? To be willing to do that. And, and the other layer of that, as you know, is that we've been conditioned to believe that to really bright, to, to shine our light brightly, that that's arrogance. It's like, who do, we, who do you think you are? Right, and, and so it's like and, and so then we well, what happens is we stuff ourselves right and we act as if we're less than because we don't want to rock the boat too much we don't want other people to be threatened or to reject us to we so we stuff ourselves into smaller little boxes and and make ourselves palatable um but that doesn't work because it's it's miserable in there and and i i think it's that to hide our light under a bushel is actually where the arrogance is. Like, if we think about it, we're, we're living the most critical in the, in the evolution of humanity. Make it or break it, time. Right? The planet will be fine. It might take millions of years, but life will continue in some form. Consciousness will continue evolving. Maybe it turns out uh, an enlightened cockroach planet in the end, who knows. Whether we make it, hmm right that's what we're facing now because we're just now beginning to witness what we have unleashed on the environment and and we're at this crucial point between what are we going to choose as, as a species are we going to go towards inclusiveness and democracy and, and and the empowerment of all justice for all and all that kind of stuff or are we going to go back rewind and go back to this patriarchal power over my way or the highway cowboy mentality kind of way which we're seeing, not only in this country, but in many other other countries. Um, And and the reason for that is because in times of dramatic social change, in a certain number of people, they want to go back and being told what to do and what to think and what's right and what's not. And and, and so that's part of what we're witnessing. And so much more to say about that too. Um, So I think I lost my train of thought there a little bit. What was your question? Your, your most, oh, I got it, I got it. <clears throat> it's like when we when we look at the way at the, where we are in terms of human evolution, like how dare we light like hide our light? This is like it, this is the time to shine as brightly as possible, so that what so that then somebody's gonna look in your eyes and say what about wow, Laura, tell me about that that you know that book that you were reading about about that meditation class, Well, tell me about how you feed yourself like, and and that's how change comes about one at a time and and when we think about it too that there isn't anybody out there who has the same genetics the same skill sets, the same preferences the same set of experiences that make each one of us uniquely human if we don't give full expression to that ain't nobody else going to do it and how dare we not do that in these critical times
0: Mm I love that you said that like hiding your light is that's where the arrogance is because you're like, I'm so great that I have to like hide it because of all of that. And so that looks like was like an eye opener for me um, because I feel like sometimes like people say especially like I love how your book it's like a whole other thing but I love how your book is like geared for women and how you talk about like how like the patriarchy came about and all of that I thought that was so interesting but with women like we're always told like don't talk too much don't be too much don't do this too much um and so I feel like by hearing that for the last almost 30 years I feel like I had been like pushing putting like Mm -hmm. a little like box over over my light and I always felt like it was to not rock the boat or like things like that you were talking about. But now like the whole reason I started the podcast was so that I could find my way back to opening up and shining my light. And so it was like really cool that you, that you brought that up because that was, that's how like here you are on the podcast. And that's like how the the podcast began was because I realized that like, why am I hiding myself? Like I should do this. And so yeah, that was just like really yeah. cool that you brought that up.
1: Amazing, amazing that you wove it in that way and, and that it's supporting your own personal journey of empowerment already. I love that. And and yeah, the book is for everybody, but it has a particular message for women. And that comes from my belief. Well, I would even say conviction that the empowerment empowering of women is the single most important thing that needs to happen in the world. It's not to put women up on a pedestal. It's not to... Um, not to say that women don't abuse power. Women do abuse power for sure. Of course, everybody does uh, or has. Um, but it's because we've been working so off balance, right? And it's certainly not to give women more stuff that, that they had to clean up in this world. It's because we've been working so off balance between the masculine and the feminine energies in the world that we all have, right? The masculine and the feminine balanced in the universe, except for for, for us, well, as far as we know, um, that, that have turned the feminine into weakness. It's like, wait a minute. Right? Like, what if, a what if faulty assumption, especially guys, you know, since we we're boys, little boys don't cry. Why is that, right? Why is it only little girls cry? Does that mean that crying is weakness? It's like, wait a minute. Lots of faulty assumptions there. First of all, that the feminine is weakness. You want to talk power, courage, strength, resilience. Let's talk about the power of creation that lies in a female body. Um, and again, so much more to say about that. And then the, the faulty assumption about the emotions being weakness. It's like, wait a minute, who said? Um, you know, the, it's like you be spiritual teaching that everything is energy. Now we know from physics that it's true. It's all energy. That includes this chair that I'm sitting on, the computer, the body, the emotions. It's all energy, it's all vibration, even though it might feel solid. And we know that energy cannot be destroyed, it can only change form. So, going back to those emotions that we have suppressed, we haven't, you know, when we, for all the times that we have overridden, our, our what we were feeling, our preferences, when we were hurt, when we were sad, and we didn't express that, that stuff doesn't go away. It's because energy cannot be destroyed. So we swallow it, and we swallow it, and we stuff it, and it it gets stuck in the tissues of our body. and and where it only festers and gets worse. And, and here we are, you know, here go f- going forward after years and decades of suppressing emotions. And here we are trying to have a relationship in the present moment, all of it getting filtered through that lifetime of unhealed trauma and unexpressed emotions. Like, yikes, which we then start projecting and throwing and dumping on each other's laps. It's like, wow, like how any relationship can work boggles my mind because we haven't been taught how to approach them, how to hold them. And we certainly haven't been taught how to clear them because then what happens is we stuff, and we stuff, and we stuff, and then only two things can happen. That energy cannot be suppressed. So either the next unfortunate one rubs one of our buttons and boom, volcanic eruption, overreacting, because it's we're actually reacting to stuff that's inside of us that's been brewing in there. Um, and so we overreact and we cause harm to our relationships or suppress, 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 suppress. That stuff has to come out. So it's going to start seeping up and out and, and showing up as physical symptoms, heart attacks, ulcers, um, cancer. And so we've got to get this. We've got to get both our relationship to power and what, we, and we've got to master our emotions and learn and give ourselves permission to feel and to learn how to communicate those emotions responsibly courageously it's always going to take courage and responsibly not so in other words we're not going to go around like two-year-olds throwing tantrums um you're going to learn how to communicate them courageously responsibly and gracefully which means in a way that they can be heard
0: yeah so like how how do we do that though like how do we um because you said like take a second to to tell somebody so that could be that could be a good tip of how to do that um but maybe also like I don't, I don't know actually like how do we um like let go of that energy uh so like yeah, like that could be one another one that I've actually been trying to do is like at night I always think about like okay, is there anything that I need to let go of and like not hold on because um sometimes like where whatever happened that day, like think about it in my head before I go to sleep. And it's like, why am I thinking about this? Like I've not been able to let it go. And so that's like something that I've been doing, but do you have some tips of how to go? Yeah. You know?
1: yeah, sure. And again, it goes back to self-awareness. So, you know, if you asked me 30 years ago, what I was feeling, I had no idea. I couldn't tell you because I had no idea what I was feeling uh, because we've been so conditioned to, especially men to not understand the emotions. Um, and, and by the way, now this is part of, like even leadership studies, You know, the emotional intelligence. It's like one of the qualities of like really effective leaders. So even from that perspective of, of wanting to be successful in the world, this is a good idea. And again, it's not easy to do. But, and so how do we start? Like well, this is when I started doing this is before iPhones were, were around. Um, so, you know, cause now you can, you, now you can set a timer. On your phone, but at the at the time, I used to carry around a, a timer, like from Radio Shack, and so it'd go off on the hour. And I had put together a list, a grid of emotions, um, and like you know, f- figured out what they, what they were. And so the timer would go off, and I would go by my grid. Am I feeling that? Uh. Uh-uh. Am I feeling that? Uh. Uh-uh. Am I feeling that? Hmm. Maybe. Right. So so over the course of two weeks, you don't have to do this forever, but I became much more aware of what I was, what was going on in my emotional life. Uh, and then the next step is learning how to communicate it. Because like we were saying before, the ego is masterful at pointing the finger and blaming others. Um, so part of it is is realizing it's it's like like with an example about Mary's lateness, it's like, it's my stuff. Like, and it doesn't excuse her lateness, but it's my stuff that it's it's my emotions that are getting triggered because of all the stuff that we talked about. So then learning how to communicate them in a way. So for, so for example, um, using I statement. Right. And and because sometimes to clear those energies, it requires communicating them. And, and, and sometimes if they're around, we'll just have to write them a letter. And and so, um, or if there isn't that, that their the ability to listen with them or to communicate with them, then we just have to write them a letter and do that work of clearing it. Um so to communicate in a way that it can be heard using I statements, which means that we own the responsibility for our emotions, not excusing what they did or didn't do, but we own our emotions because they're our emotions. Nobody can make us feel anything if that little wound, if that little button isn't already in here. Um, And so like learning to to use like, you know, when you do this, I feel, right? That's a really great formula. Rather it's like you, 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 you always do, you never do that especially when we use words like you always and you never forget it hang it up they might be looking you in the eyes but that little ego in their mind is going back in time back in time back in time to that one time in 2001 where it didn't do that and then it can say and be right technically because that's what it wants to prove that it's right it's like wow that's not true i do not always do that um and, and so we learn how to use phrases like that when you do this i feel right? So owning our emotions so that that other ego doesn't get defensive. And it might still get defensive, but it minimizes the chances that it's going to get defensive. And, you know, breathwork is a great um, modality that helps clear those, those stuck emotional energies. I don't know anything more effective um, in terms of healing past trauma and clearing those, that, that lifetime of suppressed emotions than that.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so much to think about, Um, but but yeah, like talking about emotions and like getting having like more means of like open communication. Would you say that that's like something that like one of the top things that we need more of in this world to have more communication?
1: Oh my god, yeah, and and to understand the ego, right? Because the ego is running the world. The ego is the 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 ego is the reason that we have divorce. And internationally, while we have war, um, so and, and so and, and it's all that part of that, that heroic journey of, of self-awareness and figuring out who we are and what makes us do the things we do and, and it goes back to the ego and, and then understanding the emotions so that we can become emotionally intelligent, you know become increase our EQ um, uh, which unlike IQ, we can actually do something about our EQ. Um, and, and so understanding the differences about power and, and why in our own cases, like becoming aware, where do we give our power away, right? And, and that only comes from watching ourselves, going through our lives. So do I tend to say yes when inside I really feel no? In what kind of situations? Is it in romantic, intimate, sexual relationships? Um, or is it maybe with authority figures, parental figures, bosses, um, religious leaders, coaches, that kind of thing? And so, by becoming aware of the patterns, then we can intervene and do something about it. But we can't do anything about what we can't see.
0: And kind of like what you're saying, with the ego being the size of a baseball, we can't see as if we're like the, the baseball. We can't see that how big the stadium is. So we need to yeah. have like better, a more awareness to be able to see all of that. And then, wow, yeah. that's incredible.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, and it's doable. Like it's doable. It's not easy but it's doable. Like if going back to my adolescence that you had asked me about I mean, in my childhood, my adolescence was one long depression. Um, as I struggled, you know, with, with from, I knew from a young age that I was gay and I grew up in a very Catholic environment that told me to burn in hell for eternity. Um And, you know, of course I, I see that from a whole different perspective and I, I see the gift and the blessing uh, that that is. Um, And that's what my first book was about, coming out spiritually. But flash forward to today, right? No matter what happens in my life, no matter what the details are, the circumstances, whether a relationship works out or it doesn't, whether project succeeds, um, never, ever, ever do I question my sense of self, like my my level of self-acceptance and self Love are if It can happen in anybody. I know that, and I've, not only from my personal experience, but from having witnessed that and having supported that happening in thousands of people, you know, people over the last thirty years that I've been doing this kind of transformational work.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, so could you talk about your next books because I feel like all of that kind of like comes together because you I love how in the first book you reference like we're going to talk more about this in this book and so I love that you talk about sense of self so um is that what's going to show up in your second and third book of the series
1: well the, the the title of the book this one is awakening the soul of power so how do we step into power in a different way the, the series is calling all heroes. So what we've been talking about, what does it mean to live heroically in the 21st century? When you know most of us don't have the horse hitched outside and the armors and, and the demons display, except the ones that are right here um, inside of our heads. Um, so what does that mean? Um, and then, so the second book is gonna be specifically uh, focused on relationships because in my experience, um, that's where most of us tend to give our power away. Um, and so how do we do relationships consciously? Um, if you are in relationship and you've got those basic human needs for for love and sex and companionship, maybe family, then what? How do you use that container of the relationship to speed up our own process of healing and evolution, which bottom line for me, that's the reason that we're here for. Um, and how do we remove the subconscious patterns, the, the self-sabotaging patterns that have us you know, like what we were saying before, have us sometimes recreating the same old patterns and relationships. Um, so, and again, self-awareness, self-step, then we can do something about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right, cool, yeah. So could you share um, where everyone can find you?
1: Yeah, thank you, thanks for asking that. The, the book can be found wherever books are sold. So, If you wanna support your local bookstore, you can order it there or you can get it on Amazon and in terms of reaching me probably the best way is my website which is soulfulpower.com s o u l f u l p o w e r.com and from there they can they can access my my social media media and for your audience uh, Laura if anybody who goes to soulfulpower.com and gets on my email list and we all know how easy it is to just click unsubscribe if it doesn't work for you down the road But anybody who does, we'll send them a sample chapter of the book when that talks about what it means to live heroically. We'll send them some of the power practices that you and I were talking about. And we'll send them a a short teaching and guided meditation about trust, about how do we move more into trust in these times of chaos and uncertainty. Um, So, so yeah. Thank you. Wow,
0: that's wonderful. I thank you so much for being here and I love this conversation. It was a great time.
1: Thank you, Laura. And thank you for having me. And, and thank you for having the show. Uh, because I know that in your willingness to do that, right? In your willingness to not, in your unwillingness to hide your light any anymore, right? When you said, you know what, I've got it, I'm going to do this no matter what other people think um, or whether they judge me or not. And your willingness to do that and to shine your light, um, lives are being touched and, and helped. And a difference is being made in real human lives. So, thank you.
0: Thank you so much. <laughs> and that's it for this episode. So, I really hope that you were able to have a lot of takeaways from mine and Christian's conversation. It has really changed my whole perspective, and um, I really encourage you to go read the book. Um, like on, on Sunday, I'm going to actually like go through maybe not this Sunday, but one of the Sundays when I have my, just me talking, I am going to do like how I used to where I would go through the book and give you uh my the best quotes and like really just discuss the book. So if you're interested in that, um stay tuned. Um that'll be coming out shortly. And and yeah, So I know, like I said before at the beginning of the episode, that I know that I've been like slacking on the podcast and so I'm definitely gonna like step it up and start being more active on Instagram and I did a whole website redo but then I kind of just like left it and I haven't updated it with like the normal episodes like I used to. So stay tuned for that as well because I am gonna be like everybody that I haven't Like, back from, I think Anne Hints was the last one that I posted. And I've had a lot of people on the show since. And so everybody's um, website will be up. And then I am starting a YouTube channel where I will be putting these conversations up on YouTube so that you can check it out, too. Because some of them, um, it's better for the the visual. Um, We either have, like, different bits to show or... um, it's just better visual. That's just something, something that you just need to see kind of thing. Um, but but yeah, just thank you so much for all of your support and for being here. And and yeah, if you want to learn more about me or the podcast, go to com. And like I said, it's a completely redone website. So I have everything on there. I have the Bella Spree uh, part of it too for my books. Um and I have like a more of an in-depth of the why and why I chose to do all of this so so yeah thank you so much and I'll see you on Sunday for just like a spiritual update of my life um this past almost month since I posted the last one so check that out on Sunday bye everybody